Okay, morning folks. Um, so we're going to be looking um, in the scriptures. There was a story when I was on the flight on the way home. I hadn't prepared anything. You might know we've just come back from holiday last night. Been away for a week, which has been great. Um, and we've been going through a series looking at what it is to be a disciple. And I really felt like God spoke about um, laying that aside and looking at the story of Jairus' daughter. Um, so just started looking through the New Testament for that story. It appears in three of the Gospels out of the four. Um, and it's, it's an amazing story. And so what I want you to do is just, I'm going to get you into three groups. And I want you just to spend sort of ten minutes looking at the story together. Maybe one of you read it out. And we're just going to look at the story from three or four different angles. I won't ask for feedback, but then I'm just going to make a few comments and a few points on it. The great thing is, is like with any event, I don't know, say you're out in the high street and something happened out there say something kicks off out on the high street and we're all seeing it one from the far end one from the left one from the right we all see that event from a different perspective and the beautiful thing is that each of these accounts give a slightly different angle on it some are quite emotive um, and really unpack the emotion of the story and what's going on with family and stuff Um, and so it's just great to kind of read it in different groups we'll get different perspective on what was going on and then we'll kind of look at it all together and then I think there'll be a a, a few responses that we'll come to in prayer um, and a few encouragements and so the three groups I'll leave you to self-organize can you look at someone make a note of this so I don't have to repeat it so Luke 8 verses 40 to 56 but there's a caveat skim over verses 43 to 48 there's like another little situation that happens in the middle it's bookended by the story of Jairus' daughter um, and there's another little healing that happens in the middle that we're just going to overlook not that that we wanted to make a habit of doing that Um, you guys can you have a look at Matthew 9 verses 18 to 26 and if you overlook 20 to 22 Again, it's just a story that comes in the middle. Just gloss over it really quick. Don't unpick it too much. And then you guys, you're going to be another group. Can you look at Mark 5, 21 to 43? And you can overlook 25 to 34. So Mark 5, 21 to 43. And just kind of quickly skim over 25 to 34. So I'll paraphrase the story. I've obviously read all three a few times now. And so there's a tragic situation where a 12-year-old girl, the daughter of the synagogue ruler Jairus, she, she just gets tragically ill. And Jairus searches out Jesus and literally bows down in front of him and says, would you come and heal my daughter? So he's obviously heard something about Jesus, whether he's going to him as a Messiah. We hear in one of the stories that actually the people say, it's too late, don't go to the teacher now. So some people are responding to Jesus as a teacher, Jairus might be responding to him as a healer, as the woman in the middle story did. You know, he's going like, reaches through the crowd to be healed of a, a menstrual situation that's been going on for 12 years. But everyone's going to Jesus for different things. Some's a teacher, some's a healer. Some, there's a crowd that are going just to observe and hear the words he's got, an ever-increasing crowd that's flocking around him. And as Jesus goes into this moment, off of the back of this woman touching him and being healed, the, 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 the tragic news comes to Jairus, it's too late. Like... Just turn around, come back, your daughter's passed away. And Jesus speaks right into that moment of darkness and despair and hopelessness and says, don't fear, believe, come with me. And he, and he calls Jairus to go. At some point, it differs in each of the stories, Jesus tells the crowd not to follow and he just takes the three. We were talking about a couple of weeks ago, the, the three, Peter, James and John, get an amazing view of Jesus' ministry in a way that the other disciples don't throughout, whether it's the Mount of Transfiguration where they see Power Ranger Jesus in all his glory all souped up, or whether they see him in this moment entering into like basically death with the family, 
the most intimate moment. Jesus isn't interested in what the crowd are after. The crowd are after the sideshow. They want to see the miracles. They want to see the multiplication. Jesus holds them back and goes right into this intimate moment with the family. And he, and he honours that moment. And he, and, he, and he ministers into that moment. And the crowd don't go. The three go. And then out of that comes life. And that, that crowd that were screaming that there's death, even the people that mocked him. There's a funeral going on when Jesus arrives and they're mocking him and saying, he says, oh, she's not dead, she's asleep. And then he goes in and they're all mocking him and laughing at him. And then actually when the, that little girl comes out, they see that actually the sentence that was spoken over was false and actually life rules and reigns. And that's the story of the cross, is that in the moment when it all looks done and dusted and it looks like death has won, and death is ruling and reigning actually in that moment of darkness life comes and so I just want to maybe go around each of your tables just give me like one thing like the one, one main thing that came through that you thought just looking at this situation that spoke to you on the table that you spoke most about maybe put your hand up I'll come over with the mic so uh, we can hear it um, don't be shy I'm going to pick on people so one thing we got from it was humility so um, the humility of the ruler because he was a ruler in the synagogue and he actually bowed down at Jesus' feet how big a thing that would have been so he, there was a hierarchy wasn't there in the religious order but he kind of knew that Jesus was above that and then the humility of Jesus where he just, it says in our version he arose and followed him so both sides like the humility and like crashing through pride and expectation and like religious rules that's great next table do you guys want to go well we were just saying about it's all about faith if you haven't got faith it's not going to happen but that's what jesus taught us have faith in me and i'll do what you asked brilliant this table thing that stood out for us was jesus told jairus don't tell anyone how can you not tell anyone when your daughter's just been raised from the dead yeah and so the whole thing about sharing with people, like, don't tell anyone. Why is Jesus telling people not to tell anyone? Um, and then this table? The two things that came through, really, were faith, obviously, as I spoke about before. Also, Paul brought up hope. It's yeah. like the two are so intertwined, faith and hope. almost can't have one without the other. They had faith, but they had the hope as well. Brilliant. So faith and hope and how they're intrinsically linked. Obviously, we're called Hope Church, and I love the fact that hope isn't... Uh, uh, just the name of a church but it's an, it's an attitude of the soul hope has a name and it's Jesus and so when we're in despair we can reach out to the person who himself is hope it is, he is the, literally the game changer in every situation and so I've, I've just got a few points uh, which you've probably already talked about I'm just going to rattle through them and I'd love you to think about maybe where you might find yourself in this story some of this might resonate with you so there's, there's the crowd we see two different crowds the crowd initially who are following Jesus wanting to see the sideshow uh, they're observing so they're following and they're observing but they get left behind because they're not really interested in actually following. Like we said about the crowd that dispersed when they were encouraged to come closer and participate in the life of Christ through communion. We see that here is Jesus doesn't take them with him. And then with the funeral party, actually, we see what happens with the crowd is although they're interested in what's going on, actually, they want to mock. And they, and they want to talk down and they want to... What do you know, Jesus? She's dead already. And they were excluded because they didn't receive Jesus as he was. They, they, they rejected him and who he was and what he embodied. He embodied life... And they spoke death. And so he didn't allow them to go into the situation and they were excluded from his presence. So I think there's something that we can look at bigger than that, that actually when we reject Jesus as he is, as, as, as ruler and reigner over all creation, actually people are left to that godless perspective 
of not having eternal life. And then we see the three who also follow and observe. So they're following and observing, but they're invited to participate in the miracle of healing. They see something up close that no one else saw. And I think there's something really, like we touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but the three seem to get an inside sort of snapshot on the ministry of Jesus. And then those three afterwards, as well as the twelve, go on and become the foundation of the church. And it's almost like an apprenticeship. You can be an apprentice who watches someone doing something from afar, and you might learn a little bit, but when you're up right close and personal, when you're seeing how someone's hands are moving, you're hearing about what they're doing, like they literally entered into that family situation. Everyone sat, sat around this little girl on the bed. Like I've got a 12-year-old daughter, and I was thinking, man, how would I feel if my 12-year-old daughter was dying in a, in a bed somewhere? Would I leave her to go and find someone who may or may not be able to heal her? Or would I just stay there because I don't want to depart from her? No, I think I would go in faith that, where else would I go? Where else could I go in that moment? And so that's why I'm really encouraging you guys, not that Jesus is only here at Costa, that's obviously a stupid thing to say, but actually that intention of where else would we go? Jesus, you alone have got the words of eternal life. And so I feel there is this little point, we see it with the three, we see it with the crowd, there's those who reject Jesus for who he is, and they're excluded from his presence. And then there's the three who are following him for years, and they're invited right into the most intimate of situations where life is literally brought out of death. And so I don't know about you, like, where, where do you want to be? That's what was the echoing call the other day. Where do you want to be? Just, just observing and maybe rejecting, or do you want to actually embrace him for who he is and find the life that comes through that journey, through that adventure of following him? And then we look at Jesus, and I just love that like, the, the only point really I could see in there was that he wasn't swayed by external circumstances. Everyone was screaming at him to do something. They wanted they were the demands of the crowds. There was the fear of the moment. There was the mocking and the berating for the fact that he thought that life could come out of death. And then there was the news that came after that of the worsening of the girl's condition. But actually it, it, it had gone terminal. There, there was no hope. It was beyond hope. But Jesus knew who he was and what he represented and that hope exists even in the darkest of situations. And that's what we all believe. That's what we're here worshipping. That's the one we are worshipping. That's why we are Hope Church is because we believe even in hopeless situations, life can come. Without the resurrection, our faith is nothing. Without death being defeated and life ruling and reigning, there is nothing. We're just worshipping some teacher or a healer who had some good things to say or do. But he's not God. But if he rose again from the cross, out of the tomb, then he has the words to eternal life. He's the one we can have certainty and assurance in, that we can build our life on him, knowing that he won't fail us, he won't falter us. And even when it doesn't go the way we we want it to, even then, we have that assurance that it's not about now. But actually, this is just the beginning of a whole book of many, many chapters. This is like the introduction. This is like the forward of 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 a book that goes on forever. It's not about now. And as soon as we get that eternal perspective, everything else looks slightly different. And then we look at Jairus, and this is where I think most of the life is. I said about like, the fact that he'd left his daughter. Wow, like this guy who was the, a religious ruler, his whole reputation, this is a scandal. The religious synagogue ruler, the Jew of Jews has left his people to go after this maverick Messiah who's out and about in the highways and byways, out in the wilderness, proclaiming to heal people. This guy who's revered in their community steps down from that place, kneels in front of this crazy guy who's who's proclaiming to be the Messiah, risks his whole reputation just in the hope that he might be able to do something. Just in the hope. 
Has he gone to him as a healer? Has he gone to him as a teacher? Has he gone to him as a Messiah? We don't know, but we know that he went to him and he humbled himself. He literally bowed down. This mighty man entered in. He risked it all. He was all in. His whole reputation, everything his life was about, had been laid down in that moment as he honoured Jesus as a, as, a, as, a, as a king. You're the only one that can change this situation. Literally on his knees, begging him. I don't know if you've ever been so beside yourself that there's a situation in your life that is so beyond your ability to control it that it's been taunting you with fear and it's literally screaming death at you. What do you do in that moment? Do you believe that and completely wrap in so inwards that everything, all chance of life just gets crowded out? Or do you get on your knees and lift up your eyes and your hands and do you say, Jesus, you alone are the one who has the words of eternal life. Please rule and reign in my situation. Where else can I go? There's not many other responses other than that. He literally put all his hope in Jesus. His faith was commended by Jesus. Jesus told him, don't fear, still believe, believe. Even after the news had come that it's it's too late, it's gone terminal. And Jesus upholds his dignity, like Natalie said, he, he calls him to get up out of the dirt, come and follow me, come into the situation. He literally invites him right into the miracle. And I'm certainly sure that after his daughter breathed, when Jesus says uh, Talitha Kumi or whatever it is, I'm not very good at Hebrew or whatever, <laughs> but um, he, he says, little girl, arise. In that moment, I know that, well, I'm sure, I'm certain, I put my life on it, that Jairus no longer saw him as maybe a teacher or a healer, but he saw him as he was, as the Messiah. He saw his dead daughter arise from, from the bed where she was lifeless. And then Jesus, amazingly, I love this bit, get her some food, she's hungry. (laughs) I bet everyone was hungry. They've probably been besides themselves. In those moments, and like Tunji, in these moments, Jesus says, do not fear. Have faith in me. That's That's what Jesus screams at us. Do not fear. Have faith in me. We pray that for Millie. We pray that for Ruth. We pray that for Millie's family, for everyone that's believing that there is hope and that there is life. Is actually, she's, she's not there. She's asleep. Quite literally, she's asleep. Arise. And so we speak life into dry bones. We speak life into hospital beds. Believing that Jesus rules and reigns. And that in that place, we not only find healing, but we actually honour him as our Messiah. And I think that's, that was another point. When Jesus is honoured above everything else, there is always hope, even in the face of the jaws of death. There's always hope. And so I want you to just think personally on each table right now. We're not going to share it with one another, but what's your response? So are you like the crowd? You're interested in seeing who he is and what he might do, you know, the sideshow, but just there really to watch. You're not interested in following, giving your life to, getting on your knees and honouring Or are you more like the three? You want to get right in and you want to see, how does he do this stuff? I want to to bring life into dead situations. I want to imitate that life. Wherever I go, whatever hopeless situation I face, I want to embody hope there. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to do. Whenever I I see a situation, hear a situation, I think, like as I was praying earlier, I'm thinking, man, if that was my daughter, if that was my sister, if that was my wife, if that was my brother, my uncle, whoever... What would my prayer be? It would be, Jesus, do whatever you need to in me to bring life in this situation. I would literally offer myself to you that you would bring resurrection life right now. That needs to be our response this morning is, Lord, use me as your hands and your feet in a broken world where death rules and reigns. Everywhere we look, it's this far away. 
but so is hope, so is life. What do we give ourselves to? And then there's the response of Jairus, who was literally prepared to risk everything. His reputation, his life, everything he'd given himself to build in was wrecked in that situation. But actually what he found was the true way. He found the true way, the true life. He found it. And, and I believe after that, he probably followed it. He found life not only for himself, but also for his daughter. It's a beautiful story. It's an amazing story. I don't believe it's a made-up story. I believe there's three accounts of it. It brings life. I don't know when you, like, when you read it, it brings life to your soul. It's amazing. And so, I just want you to take a moment. We're just going to maybe sit in, in the quiet of our own hearts and just think, like, what is your response to Jesus this morning? Are you going to be like the crowd and reject him? Are you going to come near to him to see what he can do? Or are you literally going to say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything I've got. Take all of it. Rule and reign. Bring healing in a broken world through me. Is that alright? Okay, let's pray. And then I'll just wrap up and pray. And then we'll maybe pray on the tables. I'm just going to pray now. Um, just to kind of wrap it all up and then obviously after that we'll start packing up and stuff but take a moment after I've finished praying just to pray with one another asking God really to seal by his Holy Spirit whatever your desire is whatever you're saying to Jesus that he would move and rule and reign in that through his Holy Spirit so yeah Lord Jesus I thank you so much that you are the God who rules over all of creation you've overcome death and in your hands are life and life eternal you alone have got those words that can bring life to our souls And so, Lord, we look to you for Millie's situation, for Ruth's situation. We look to you to bring life and hope. Uh, Lord Jesus, we pray for Tunji and the rest of the family that you would bring real light into that darkness. Lord, we thank you so much that with you in every situation there is hope. And we thank you, Lord, that you rule and you reign. Where else could we go, Lord Jesus? And so we intentionally press into you this morning, believing for your very, very best in these situations for our dear, beloved brothers and sisters we say Lord would you come would you rule and would you reign Lord we thank you for the cross we thank you for resurrection life that is ours right now your Holy Spirit that same spirit that overcame death lives in us and dwells in us it dwells in Millie it dwells in Ruth and so we speak life into their very spirit right now and we we break off every chain of darkness and oppression that would seek to quash out the light of life and we say, get up right now. Get up, little girl. Talitha Kumi. We say, come and rise up. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're a good God. And you're concerned with our hearts. Right in the middle of emotional situations, you enter in, in intimacy, and you honour us. And you love us, and you care for us through compassion. And so, Lord, we come to you and say, Lord, come and rule and reign in our hearts. Rule and reign in our homes. Rule and reign in our neighbourhood. Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.